0: We are so excited to announce that we have opened the doors to our private membership community, the Symposium. Inside the Symposium, you have access to all of our free and paid content, daily prompts to pull to, live monthly workshops, reading room Zooms, and monthly virtual meetups. We also host monthly challenges and have a lively and engaged community, as well as tarot spread and resource libraries. The Symposium is an incredible community of like-minded folks who value the intersection of tarot, mental health, self-reflection, and personal growth. We're really excited to meet you all inside the symposium. So head over to the tarot and click join the symposium today to become a
1: part of our community. You're listening to the tarot diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us.
0: Hey Luna. Hey Shannon. So today we are talking about imposter syndrome, and I'm actually I'm surprised that we haven't talked about it yet. But <laughs> I mean, today's the day we're going to talk about it. We've had a lot of people just kind of reach out or comment that they really wanted us to talk about this topic, and for some reason we just never really gravitated towards it. Uh, but something happened recently. I don't even remember what it was. It was a couple days ago. I wish I remembered what it was, but. We, we were talking and it came up and I was like, oh, now it's time to talk about imposter syndrome. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know, maybe you remember what the conversation was, but I don't. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into it. It's something that so many people experience. You know, I've experienced it before. A lot of my clients experience it. And, you know, despite it being this thing that we talk about in therapy and that really affects our mental health, it's not an actual diagnosis. It's no. it's really just this internal experience that so many of us have and it's it's rooted in things like low self-esteem
1: and and self-doubt, among
0: you know, lots of other things. So I'm excited to kind of unwrap it with you today and see what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling a little bit geeky about it because I'm excited to talk about it in part because I feel like it's one of these things that it's so it's so ubiquitous in pop culture. Like people talk mm. about it. And I think it is worth saying, it's not a diagnosis. I don't, I have yet to come across, it probably exists somewhere, but I haven't come across like a check sheet. And I don't even know if I would even, I, I question the use of the word syndrome because I yeah. think that there probably is like a check sheet for it somewhere, but it's become a a term that just refers to self-doubt. I did just come across uh, like a fun fact listed in a Psychology Today article that says around 25 to 30% of high achievers experience mm-hmm. imposter syndrome. And here's the fun part. And around 70% of adults may experience imposterism at least once in their <laughs> lifetime. And you know, at that moment, I just kind of chuckle. And I think, yeah. well, certainly an adult at some point mm-hmm. would feel like an imposter because to a degree, everybody at some point is in a situation where you're a little bit over your head and you're a little bit like, ooh, I'm kind of faking it. And I'm hoping that people yeah. don't know. And so when somebody shares with me that they they think that they have imposter syndrome, that's kind of one of the first places I begin is... Well, is it because you're still learning and you're uncomfortable with being a student still?
0: I love that that's what you pointed out because it's so easy to pathologize this experience when we don't have any context to back it up. And you know, it's funny reading or hearing the article that you read. It you said like seventy percent, but then you said thirty percent of high achievers, and it's like, okay, so like a hundred percent of people. If we, if we, we really want to do the math there. hundred you know, percent people have a syndrome. Yes. Yeah. And then there's this other component of it where it's like, okay, how much of this is healthy self doubt, and then mm-hmm. how much of this is true kind of imposter syndrome where it's debilitating, where we actually are not moving forward in life and we're stuck and we're in the standstill because, I mean, healthy self-doubt is just a normal part of being human. I mean, I think you and I probably experience that all the time just on the podcast. Like, I know I'm like, well, I have enough to say. Will I have anything useful to say?
1: You all know. the time in all walks of life. In yes. like everything <laughs> I do, there are moments of like, I'm just making this up. I hope that it works.
0: but then it's like that's so important because I'm just making this up I hope it works but if we're just making it up that means it already exists in our brain so then it's like are we actually (laughs) making it up or do we really have this information that we're sharing clearly we have this information that we're sharing if we're making it up because it's coming out of our brain and like oh my god you can see (laughs) we can just like go in circles with this stuff but you know yeah like okay there's that healthy self-doubt that exists And we have to be careful not to pathologize it because true imposter syndrome would sound something like, oh my God, I'm not actually qualified to talk about this stuff. Eventually someone's going to figure me out and uh, I don't know anything. I'm a fraud. And then you're in your head going, well, okay, well, what am I going to do when they find me out? What am I going to do after when I don't have this job anymore? And then, then you're stuck on this, like, what if loop of, of anxiety So so yeah, there's a big difference there, and neither feel great. But yeah, I feel like we're really
1: getting into it now. (laughs) We okay. So I was had something to say, but okay, you just said the cue, so it's time to pull a card. Oh no! But what were you going to say? I said the cue. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll just say this. I mean, I see this in my practice a fair amount. You know, not like a fair amount, and I always find that when this is an issue, there's. It's so multi-layered underneath the surface. It's not yeah. a quick, easy like, "Oh, I just don't." I have a hard time believing in myself. It's not usually that. There's usually a lot more for for
0: sure. That's why you know it's it's so easy to just say, "Oh, you have imposter syndrome." Here's five ways to deal with imposter syndrome. But it's like, <laughs> well, okay, no. but it, what's the root of it? Because that could be mm-hmm. like you know a year's worth of therapy <laughs> of mm-hmm. like unlearning and healing and. Yeah. Right. So
1: or it could it be, be like a very quick, you know, like let's do six weeks of CBT and like right. just change something. Like it, it, it could be a lot of things and usually there's multiple factors. So, okay. Exactly. Ready to pull? Now I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Let's, what deck are you using? I wanted to use a different deck and I couldn't find it. So I'm using Golden Art Nouveau, which never lets me okay. down. So no problem. How about you? tarot vintage so we're both yeah okay what's comfortable we're on a roll we're on a roll I never feel like an imposter if I'm using Art Nouveau because it just it's so pretty it makes up for my own personal lack
0: that's I guess I feel the same about tarot vintage where it's like no everything things just feel natural and and, can come to me with tarot vintage where maybe I have to put in a little bit more effort with (laughs) Other decks, which is also probably something we'll get into,
1: because effort also plays a role in imposter syndrome. All right, what'd you pull? I got Page of Pentacles. Shut up! What did you get? I got Page of Swords. (laughs) Okay, I was okay. It would be wild if we pulled the same card, but we didn't. But still, page energy in the room. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm kind of digging it. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's actually kind of exactly right. So uh, what are you thinking with Page of Pentacles? I mean, Page of Pentacles to me is really, I mean, so page energy is sort of that youthful energy, that exploring energy, that curiosity energy, and that energy of sort of like still ha- being able to have like a youthful mind around something of like, eh, I'm like still kind of learning. Although I have many clients when I'm talking to people who experience something that looks like imposter syndrome or is... I'll often start going back. When do you start remembering this? And I'll hear, mm-hmm. you know, in third grade, in kindergarten, yeah. Yeah. you know, and often it, uh, when it's so young like that, it is about practical things, you know, like I didn't, I, I like forgot my homework or I put my backpack in the wrong cubby or, you know, like I answered the question wrong in front of the class. So I think that to a degree, we could sort of look at, how much are we all seeking mastery in this world? Around like I'm so good at doing mm. all of the worldly things. I'm so good at you know keeping my house clean, and also so good at managing my money, and also so good at like knowing how to answer every email with just the right tone so that everybody understands exactly what I'm saying. And I'm so good at doing all of these things. And the idea that that mastery is an illusion that nobody actually can do all of the things might be a place to begin.
0: Yeah, I think it might be a place to begin. I think you're right. I mean, I feel like Page of, page of Swords just falls right into that, that same narrative because I feel like this Page of Swords or this page is often he- hesitant to act because they feel like they are lacking the necessary experience, which any page could feel that way. Sure. But if you think about it, You're not a knight. You're not a queen. You're not at king status yet. You're working your way up. And I think this is really common when you're, especially when you're starting something new, or actually the more I reflect on it, I feel like imposter syndrome is also way more prevalent when you're, when you're younger, when, especially like in your early twenties or kind of just stepping into the world as an adult, you're getting different jobs, you're experiencing new relationships and You're so green in so many areas and in so many ways of being. And you're surrounded by the knights and the queens and the kings. So it can make you feel inadequate sometimes because it's like, oh, here are all these people who have all this knowledge and this experience. And it's kind of intimidating. But that's where that mindset comes in of something you mentioned earlier. Like, am I okay being a student? Because while we might not have the like numerical year experience that, You know the knights or the queens or the kings have that doesn't mean that we don't have kind of the drive or the energy or the curiosity or even the knowledge or skill to get to that point. And I think I think we don't put enough emphasis on how important it is to be new at something or to be doing something that you are still learning. So many of us, especially when you are a perfectionist or you have anxiety, want to step into a role or an experience. And know exactly what you're supposed to be doing and be perfect at it before you even mm-hmm. do it. And I think that's also what kind of triggers imposter syndrome a lot too, is maybe not having the necessary skills or experience to be sufficient at whatever it is you're doing. And, and yeah, it can be uncomfortable and we have to be okay with being uncomfortable.
1: You know, what's so interesting about that it is that it, it is very page energy in a way in, in that it's childish. In thinking that the knights and the kings and the queens are expecting you to oh, interesting. do what they, I mean, I, I, like they're not like as a person who now has experience in the world, when there's somebody who is, has less experience in the world than I do, I don't think they're dumb, nor do I think that they're like mm-hmm. foolish or you know, like less of a person or, or not competent. I don't think any of those things. I think, oh, this person doesn't know about this thing. And I will tell you that I also just highly value having somebody who's more of a novice around yeah. because that person is often really hungry. And like yeah. that's incredibly important. It's just that we all serve different roles. But I think that when somebody is experiencing imposter syndrome, it's perhaps because they haven't figured out, I'm going to talk about something else in a second, but you're right that when we see it in young people, it's like you just don't, you're kind of not okay being in the role that you are in, but you're going to mm-hmm. be in a different role in five years just because of experience. You can, nobody expects you to know everything right now. Right. And people have a hard time with that idea. And then they think, oh, I have imposter syndrome. No, it's just uncomfortable. Now, this is different when it's somebody who's been in the job for 10 yeah. years, right? And they still feel like they, yeah. like everyone's going to figure them out.
0: Right. Right, that's where you have to peel back layers and say, okay, so this is actually an issue of self-worth and low self-esteem and we need to start talking about that.
1: Well, I mean, I think sometimes it's self Well, hang on, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> I think uh yeah, I think you could often put it in the category of that, but I think that there's also subcategories of all of those things. Oh, and for t- sure. T- right and to a degree sometimes i think that it almost gets into this really weird area of actually an inflated ego of i i know that i'm so smart that i think i'm supposed to know everything mm. and i think i'm supposed to be an expert which is actually not low self esteem it's like overly inflated self esteem like well but you're not you know like you're very smart sure but 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 no you are You are not like, you're not a supercomputer.
0: So that reminds me of, especially uh, people who, and you and I have had this conversation so many times growing up in like the gifted program, for example, where people who have uh, just kind of like a natural ability to learn and understand things very quickly. And so then when they Mm -hmm. enter the gifted program, you know, they're given all this new material to consume and, and things to do. And they're constantly told, "Oh, you you're so smart, you know so much." And things have been very easy for them up until that point. And then when they enter in a position where maybe they have to put in a little bit more effort in order to gain knowledge or experience, they can become paralyzed and then go, "Oh, shoot, this isn't this doesn't feel good because I'm supposed to know everything. I'm the smart one." And so that goes back to how you were treated and raised growing up. And up until this point in your life, when everyone probably did look at you as an expert, you started to believe like that's your narrative. Like you know everything and you haven't given yourself an opportunity to step into page energy and be someone who learns. But that can be really scary because that's an identity thing then too. Because now it's like, well, I've always known myself as the expert and I've only ever been known as the expert to everyone around me. How the hell am I supposed to exist in this world now if I step out of that role?
1: I mean, so right before we started the episode, I, you know, I typically pull a card right before and I pulled eight of cups, which is a card that Mm. is showing up for me um, nonstop right now. I think that that does bring us to this question of identity. When we make our identity about our accomplishments or about what I know or what I can do, I think we're on a very dangerous pathway. And that's where Eight of Cups becomes interesting. And I'll do this work a lot of times with people who are experiencing this, boy, they struggle with it. When I say, but your identity, your inherent value as a human being is not necessarily tied in with your productivity. And it's really funny how when you say that, people Mm. go, I know that, you know, but that's true of everybody else. Except for it's not true mm. of me because well, I, like I have to be producing. That is yeah. how I show my worth. And I mean, you can yes. spend like a forever, like this is, I would say culturally, this is one of the biggest problems that we have and is at least a factor in the majority of my caseload.
0: Yes. You know, something that, because we're just talking about like the <laughs> uh, expert status, and feeling in the self-worth and having to prove yourself, something that I just realized too is how we inadvertently trap ourselves when we exist in that space. Because when we feel like we're supposed to know everything or Mm -hmm. then we're not worthy, we actually stop ourselves from gaining new skills because we just feel like we have to stay in the spot where we know that we're that we can shine. And it really stops us from growing and evolving as a human, not only within ourselves, but also in our relationships.
1: I mean, that's so three of, of pentacles right there, isn't it? That, you know, part of, what can show up in an imposter syndrome is the idea of sort of, I have to do it all and I have to be a competent in all areas. And one thing I love about Three yeah. of Pentacles is that we have three people who clearly all have three very different jobs and they are working together. I think that what we see in imposter syndrome a lot is something around the, I can't let anybody know that I suck at something. I suck mm. at something is something that yeah. I work in th- in practice all the time. I'll ask people, I'll say, okay, tell me three things you're good at and three things you suck at. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it trips people up. And when I talk it through, I say, you know, like, we're just trying to show you that you can be both of those things. Like you can be bad at things, but you, you also are good at things. And that makes you guess what a human.
0: It reminds me of, I used to do this exercise when I was working with kids and teens a lot and I, I've done it with adults too they're they're a little more or <laughs> a little less willing to to play around because it's, <laughs> it's so uncomfortable but I would purposely have clients mess up on something just so that yeah. they could sit with the discomfort and see that you don't have to be perfect so it's really good to do with art therapy so like you could just have like you know a piece of paper and even just like a marker or Even a pencil and just say, okay, draw something, draw some flowers. And I would also go in and just like mess up their paper. And then they would have to kind of work around the imperfection and realize, like, and I would do this a lot with my artist clients too, because Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was Mm -hmm. really uncomfortable for them. And they'd have to realize, like, okay, yeah, like shit's gonna happen. And I don't have to be perfect. And I'm, I can sit with the discomfort and see that it doesn't mean that I'm less of an artist or less of a person just because whatever I've created doesn't look the way that I feel like it's supposed to look.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that too. we're talking about distress tolerance. And I think that that is something that we do see, particularly with like a lot of people we've talked about so far, kids who grow up in gifted programs or people who are actually are really, really smart and highly skilled, or even people who have an idea Sort of lodged in their head from like whatever they learned in kindergarten that they're supposed to do, th- like, if things aren't right, they're really wrong. And it's really interesting. I will often ask somebody, like, have you ever had a disaster in your life? And mm-hmm. you can really, like, once you start asking people that question, it's fascinating. People who have actually had a disaster tend to be a lot calmer because they're like, yeah. yeah, like the tower for sure, like lit on fire. Like that was bad. It was a hot mess for a couple of years, you know, but now I feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin. I know what I can weather. I think that there is a huge fear of, I don't know if I can, if I have the tolerance to handle distress.
0: Mm. It's, I kind of, I kind of really like where you're going in it kind of it leads me to a card that I had pulled to guide the episode. It's actually another three. It's a reversed three of cups. And yeah. it's making me also want to point out that, because when we talk about imposter syndrome, it tends to always be around performance because that's typically where we see it most. But you talking about like distress tolerance and stuff is also making me think that it's not just about feeling like a fraud or inadequate at work. It's also about feeling inadequate in our relationships. Mm -hmm. Your friend or your partner will, you know, quote unquote, eventually figure out you're not as good of a friend or a partner as they think you are. And that, for example, at its core is about not feeling deserving of love. So again, this goes back to like, if you're in that space, this is all about like unlearning and relearning how to be more comfortable believing that you are inherently worthy of things. You know, I think I think there's always so much talk about performance when it comes to this that we also forget it's also about just existing in
1: relationships. I mean, I think what you just said is so smart. You know, and we'll see it sometimes also like the expression of it will come out in terms of sexual anxiety, mm, but yeah. But that also is so much about just self-worth and and the sensation of like, am I okay? We can sort of put that on our our physical body. We'll see that a lot too, like with people who really struggle with their body and their body image, but also in terms of like, well, am I sexy enough or am I like enough of a yes. turn on? And that's really, really, that's hard. And then, then you get in your head and now you're not having fun. And now you're not, now you are sort of like blocked, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, you just stated- this whole week's worth of (laughs) sessions for me.
0: (laughs) I mean, I've had this conversation. I'm not joking at least five times this week. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite conversations to have because it's so universal, but it feels so isolating and everyone's afraid to talk about it. I feel like my partner's going to, you know, see my body or see how I perform sexually, for example, and realize that maybe I'm not good enough. And yeah, you, you're right. It, it, you get so in your head. And then, you know, this reverse three of cups is also about comparison. And that's what makes me think like, okay, well now here we are comparing ourselves to other people and other bodies and other experiences that we might not actually have firsthand knowledge of. We're sure. just creating a narrative or a story based on the little bits of information that we're seeing on social media or in movies or whatever so it becomes super easy for us to then say oh well I'm not like this person so there's no way I'm capable of receiving or doing xyz because I don't fit this mold and this person's eventually going to figure it out and now I'm in nine of swords every night
1: Ugh, right right I want to get back to that nine of swords in a second, but I think I want to talk for just a second about the judgment card, which, you know, is a card that I really mm-hmm. like and I like to talk about it, but I think I want to talk about it in its harsh form right now. And I think that this is what imposter syndrome is linked to often is this sensation of there is a standard yeah. which either I understand or I don't understand, and it is impossible for me to reach this standard. But the thing that I might point out is that when you're thinking that way, you're sort of looking at the standard as if it is sort of like the all-knowing truth. But the the actual thing is, is that we all live in the world and you are having experiences with other human beings and other human beings are also flawed in the same way that Uh you were flawed. You know, like the sexual performance thing, I always think is like a little bit funny because I'm like, it's just preferences, really. Like Uh somebody might say like that you suck in bed and somebody else might be like, you're amazing. You know, we all Uh have different tastes, you know, like. Some people are like would be like, that person's amazing to work with. And other people would be like, I hate working with this person. (laughs) That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you necessarily, or that you are somehow inherently flawed or wrong. It just means that you have to learn how to lean into your strengths, identify your strengths, tell people who you are, and say like, this is kind of the deal with me. Does that work for you? Oh, yes, no. Okay, great. That's where... We need to take judgment down to the human level and say, this is really, I have to recognize that other flawed humans are judging me and I am a flawed human. And so nobody has all the answers, but I want to go back to that nine of swords. Sorry. I'm just like taking up all the space right now, but. No, go for it. I was waiting for you to go back. (laughs) Yeah. The nine of swords is really like, this is the problem. This is like the, um the seeping wound that we see that is imposter syndrome is that it becomes consuming. I am always worrying Mm -hmm. about being a fraud, not being enough, people finding me out. And now I am living in this nine of swords moment. Oh, ironically, before we got on the show, I was like, I am in a bad mood and I am tired (laughs) because I am. And when... When you don't sleep, you mm-hmm. are kind of a mess. And when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning out of nowhere and you jolt awake because you're so stressed out and anxious about something, the next day you're gonna be a mess. And so this really does start to perpetuate itself. And I find mm-hmm. that sometimes people end up getting kind of weirdly like, like addicted to this, where mm-hmm. they kind of think, I, it's really important that I continue to think, badly about myself or question myself because that anxiety is the thing that is keeping me safe. Because if I don't keep being anxious, then I'm going to get sloppy. And they're actually making themselves worse rather than better.
0: Oh, that's totally right. That's why it's easy for us to stay stuck in this nine of swords thought loop, because we feel like we're protecting ourselves. Well, if I, I mean, look at, if you look at nine of swords Underneath the, the bed that this person is laying on is this scene where it looks like it's carved into the bed. One person has this sword and it looks like they're attacking this other person who's down on the ground. So, if you are in your head playing these scenarios, you're giving yourself this mm. false sense of security that, well, now I'm prepared yeah. for if mm-hmm. situation A happens or situation B happens or, or whatever. But, you know, in terms of imposter syndrome, you know, I think this still holds true because when we play these scenarios out in our head, we worry like everyone's gonna figure us out. Then, you know, what will I do when this happens and, you know, they realize that I don't actually belong here or they realize that I'm not actually lovable or whatever. I think the best way to get out of that thought loop is to remind ourselves that whatever situation that we're in that or that we feel like we're an imposter in, whether it's, you know, this job that we have or this talk we're going to give or this relationship that we're that we're in, those experiences would never have occurred or been offered to us or we wouldn't have been given the opportunity to have them if we weren't actually qualified or deserving. And I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves because when we get stuck in that thought loop, it's like, well, all these what ifs, but we we already have the thing and we wouldn't have had the thing (laughs) if we didn't
1: actually have the skills or be worthy of that. Yeah, but what if you you just were good at convincing people that you do have the skills?
0: That's imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say, right? That is what they say. What if I and and okay? So my my real response to that: what if I was just yeah. good at at convincing people? Is well, that means that you have the skills <laughs> because if you were able to convince someone that you have the skills, you prove to them in some way, right? So, you actually Mm -hmm. do have
1: the skills. (laughs) There is no. (laughs) Right. Or you have some skills, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're good (laughs) at something. (laughs) If anything, you're good at convincing people. And that is a skill.
1: (laughs) God, that's so funny. My, my, partner um in his youth went through like a million different jobs and what he would do is he would go to the library cuz back in the day he would go to the library and he'd <laughs> read about the job and he would learn key lingo you know like he'd <laughs> learn like phrases and then he would go to the job interview and he would get the job and he would know nothing but would sort of figure it out on mm-hmm. on the feet and you know like one would think that somebody like that would be worried but no he just was like look i'm smart enough to be able to figure out how to like weasel exactly. my way into an interview and i think that that's like a really excellent point if you convince somebody you must have something but there yeah. is this real fear that so many people have of but i don't know why i got lucky that time i don't know why i got lucky this time i don't know why i've gotten lucky for the past 30 years mm-hmm. but i'm still really convinced that I'm undeserving of this.
0: Oh, okay. So you just put a card into perspective for me. So one of the cards that I pulled to guide the episode is reversed Ace of Cups. And Ace of Cups is always just so like loving and kind and in reverse, it can also still have like the, that lovey-dovey experience. But I think this card, reverse, kind of is a reflection of what you just described. You know, I think that experience that so many people have of like, oh, I just got lucky is super isolating. Like they feel like, I don't know, oh, somehow I was right place, right time. And sure. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, right place, right time. Definitely. But I think still with that mindset, there's this like negating either like your own personal experiences or the experiences that exist around you, which I think this reverse Ace of Cups represents. This particular card is like super heavy in religious symbols. And for some people like that's awesome and they can relate to it. And I think with what we're talking about can be super relatable, but the way I'm interpreting it right now is just more aligned with like my own personal beliefs. So I feel like in this case, the dove, for example, when you're looking at it upside down can be offering a reminder that we aren't truly alone in our experiences and it might not actually be luck, even though it feels like it. Um, and it's a reminder that we need to look outside of like ourselves in these moments or this idea of luck and realize that there's way more to these situations and experiences where the imposter syndrome is feeling like it's on a pedestal and realize, okay, well, what, All led up to this moment. This is very DBT right now. Like, there's a million things that, and experiences and decisions that I've made in my life that have actually led to where I am today. So, it can't actually be luck. And I feel like that's what this card is really representing. I mean, the cup is overflowing, both upright and reversed. And there's so many little details in this card that show and depict this. DBT theory of uh, there being a million things that have happened that are both inside and outside of our control that have led to where we are today, and it it does our self and our experiences as a human and the relationships that we've had and the people that we've encountered throughout our life a disservice when we say it's just luck. For example, we're almost saying, "Well, all of these other things don't actually matter," and that's
1: not really fair. Okay, so I'm so half tempted to just end right there because what you just said was like, I'm sitting here with goosebumps, like, thank you. That's exactly right. That's the card and that's the message. And like, oh my gosh, like so, so good that the problem with imposter syndrome is that it is so isolating. And because there is this deflated and inflated ego and Mm -hmm. it's not giving enough, um, like think of how insulting it is. Oh, I just mm-hmm. got here by luck because the person who interviewed you, like the five people who interviewed you the way it is today, like, cause they're all yeah. idiots. Cause they didn't know, right? you know? Oh, because like, well, I just, you know, got lucky. I just got lucky. I just, no, you didn't. And that <laughs> realizing that you are a part of a larger system and a part of a larger community and you play your part and it is not your job to play it perfectly all the time, because sometimes you need to make mistakes so that other people can shine. Yes, Heaven exactly. forbid, that's important. And sometimes it's time for you to shine, but we cannot all always be six of wands prancing around on our little horse with our like laurel <laughs> wreath. Like we're not always there. We all have to be able To grow and change. And you know, one thing that I think is beautiful about Ace of Cups is it is about forgiveness. It's about being able to receive forgiveness. And ironically, earlier on, I cut the deck and I pulled Page of Cups and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just pulled yet another Mm -hmm. page, but this feels right right now. That when we are kind of trapped in this, I'm not good enough feeling that we talked about where we started with Page of Pentacles and Page of Swords. I I think page of cups needs to come in here and we need to say, Hey, you can be a little sloppy. You can Mm -hmm. make mistakes. You can be like really bad at something. Like you really can, you can be bad at something and you can still be forgiven and you can still be good. And that's really, really hard for people who are experiencing this, but that's really the lesson they need to learn.
0: Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking now, maybe it's, I maybe mean, it's a language thing. I feel like you and I talk about this a lot on the podcast. Like, I feel like there were was a different word for this or a different phrase. I'm almost thinking maybe it's time to neutralize imposter syndrome and start just saying I'm having a self-doubt day or I'm just not feeling my skill set today or I'm just not in it today. And I think ending it with today takes off some of the the heaviness and this um, idea that something is wrong with us. It's just, mm. ha- we're having an experience today and it just
1: is what it is. You might not feel like that tomorrow. I love that. I love that. It's very Reiki in a way, just for today, right? <laughs> like, and I think that that's right. And that's actually clinically, like I'll use that with people and often do. I say, I was like, at the end of your day, I want you to write down two things that you wish you did better and two things that you did well. And it's so, so hard, but basically you're just collecting data. You're forcing the person to collect data to see, look at how many times you actually did something right. This idea that you just are getting lucky or that you're just faking it is clearly a false idea. It's a misconception that you are clinging to, that you have to let go. And then we move into step two of therapy. Why are you clinging to this? <laughs> yeah.
0: So I just pulled two of wands, and I feel like oh. that kind of, right? I feel like it really encompasses everything that we're talking about now, or just kind of like where the episode's gone. And it's really giving me DBT wise mind vibes. And mm-hmm. so if you've listened to us for a while or follow us on Instagram, you know, we talk about dialectical behavior therapy. Um, for short, we've talked about it today already. And there's a super helpful exercise. We've created a spread about it called the wise mind. And I feel like this card right now is so perfect for this because each wand can represent a part of this concept. So one wand represents the rational, logical mind, the other representing the emotional mind, oh. and then the globe that's being held represents the wise mind. So when we're stuck in a, this imposter syndrome loop, we can ask, okay, what is each stick or um, wand saying? And then now what is the conclusion of the wise mind, which holds all this like earthly knowledge and wisdom and truth. And what a beautiful image for this topic.
1: You just blew my mind. That was amazing. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I mean, you know, like one thing that I love to say is two things can be true at the same time. Mm. And this that feels really connected to what you're just saying. And now I'm going to look at this card differently. Yeah, two things can be true at the same time. Like maybe I did get lucky in getting this job. And I also am still pretty good at it. Mm. Imagine that. Thank you so much for listening to
0: the Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at the tarot diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.